0: Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come before you and to open the word and to just look at what you'd have us to to learn from the, the Proverbs. And we ask you to guide and lead in your son's name. Amen. Proverbs 19, starting at verse 15. Slothfulness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. He that keeps his commandment keeps his own soul but he that despises his ways shall die he that has pity upon the poor lends to unto the Lord and that which he has given will he pay him again chasten your son while there is hope and let not your soul spare for his crying a man of great wrath shall suffer punishment for if you deliver him yet you must do it again so i will stop there Lawfulness cast into deep sleep and the idle soul shall suffer hunger. And we this is you know, again it is a proverb, it means that if somebody who's lazy, you know, spends a lot of time in sleep, you know, and it's and I've met people like that. They they're always asleep and nothing ever gets done and and then an idle soul will suffer hunger, and that's is the whole idea of back, especially in the day of the farming. You know, if you didn't prepare your fields at the right time, you didn't plant your seed at the right time, you didn't you know, do the things at the right time, then you went hungry. And in today's world, it's pretty much the same. If you don't work, you're gonna go hungry. Um, so, unless the government steps in and gives you money for, for not working. So, but God says that the idle person suffers hunger. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Uh, verse 16 he that keeps his commandment keeps his own soul but he that despises ways shall die and this is kind of an interesting one because this is the idea number one it has keeping God's commandments but it also has this implication of keeping your own word and there are a lot of people that have kind of two rules you know this is the rule for me and this is the rule for you and uh, and you know we've all met people who say one thing and do another and that's part of what this is talking about. That, you know, if you if you keep your keep your own word, you keep God's word. You keep your own word. You're protecting yourself. And if you're not, you're really despising yourself. And it, you it, know, it, to the point of you despise your ways and shall die. Uh, nobody's going to trust you. Nobody's going to give you the honor. Nobody's going to allow you to, to have you know the victory in it. <coughs> He that has pity upon the poor lends unto the Lord and that which he has given will pay again. And so this is the idea that God cares for the poor and his people will care for the poor. And if somebody can look at the poor and be very hard-hearted and not have any, you know, compassion toward them, not try to help them in any way, in any way, they've got problems. And God is saying, you know, if you lend to the poor, you help them out, God will repay it. And we see this over and over again, when people are generous, it comes back to them. And so God is wanting us to be able to help, help the best we can. Some people are poor, but there's always somebody poor. And God is saying, be generous, be able to help out those people, be, be able to seek to help them, and you know, not, not withhold. And we're told not to withhold help when we can help. And that's a, you know, there's times when we can't help. You know, we don't have it ourselves to give to people. And then there's times when we do, and God is saying, be generous. That doesn't mean we give them so that we don't have anything ourselves, but by the same token, we also are to help when we can. Chasten your son while there is hope and let not your soul spare for his crying. And this is that whole idea that you know there is a there is a place where you cannot discipline even your own kids anymore. You know, just you know when they get older, you know they get to be teen uh, adults. You can't discipline them; they're on their own at that point. You can't spit, You know you you can't continue spit, you know, chasing them. And even to a point, as they get older in your own home, there's only so much you can do to help them. And I've seen people, you know, it bothers me when I see really young kids running roughshod over their kid, you know, parents, you know, four or five year olds that are, you know, in full control of their parents. And, and I have to wonder what's going to happen when that kid gets to be a teenager. You have no control over them as a kid that you can actually spank or put into a corner or control. What's going to happen when that kid gets to be a teenager and they're physically able to not, you know, not have you take, take and control them? And that's why that discipline, that chastening, has to start at a young age. And they get used to the idea that there's authority, that there's your consequences. And, and, and this, let not your soul spare first crying. And I've met, I've met some parents who you know, said, well, as soon as I spanked my child, he cried so much, I had to, you know, I smacked him one time, and he's crying, and I go, well, oh, maybe the kid knows that that's what's gonna stop. And I, you know, it may or may not even be real. God says the lesson has to be learned. And that doesn't mean beat him to death, it just means a lesson has to be learned. there. And discipline always involves some form of pain. And whether it's a physical spanking or something being taken away, or as in the case of the business world, hours being cut or time being, you know, unpaid time being, being, there has to be a consequence that is painful Otherwise, there's not discipline. If the person enjoys it, there's no discipline in there. In it, it's just doing what they're enjoying. And so we want to we want we want to take this that God is saying. Discipline is to be fulfilled and finished. And sometimes we know that even in our own life, when God disciplines us and we're in pain and we're crying out to Him, He may still let the discipline run its full course, or He may be generous. It doesn't. It's up to Him. But usually, He lets it run its full course and we will pay for it, that discipline the whole time. (coughs) A man of great wrath shall suffer punishment, for if you deliver him, then you must do it again. And this is one of those things, you know, we see this with a child who continually does something wrong, and they get rescued by their father or their mother, and they get taken out of the consequences, and and they're gonna go right back and do it again, and you have to re-rescue them, And eventually you must pay you must pay for it so that you will learn obedience and God does the same thing for us he wants us to learn obedience that when we misbehave something happens there's consequences for sin and God says you're going to suffer those consequences and so that you don't want to do it again and and that's important consequences when we suffer the consequences we learn that is something we don't want to go through and very important for us to understand that you know that we have consequence and children have to have consequences uh, when we teach them to not play in the middle of the highway you know we're, we have reason for them not to play in the middle of the highway and we're gonna you know we don't want them to suffer that consequence so we're gonna give them some other lesser consequence which will be the the sore bottom for going out, you know, running out in the street. So, because the, that sore bottom is a nu- is no consequence compared to being run over by the car if we let them just learn the hard way. And sometimes learning the hard way is, is not good. If you could have been tar- trained and disciplined before that, you s- suffer less. All right. Verse 20 through 24. Hear counsel and receive instruction, that you may be wise in your later end. There are many devices in man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. The desire of a man is his kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. The fear of the Lord tends to life, and he that has it shall abide satisfied, and he shall not be visited with evil. A slothful man hides his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. All right, verse 19. A man, oops, excuse me, 20. Hear counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter end. And this is that whole idea of learning something without having to be disciplined, learning something without having to go through the hard way. Listen to what people tell you. Listen to what people advise. Now that doesn't mean that we're so open-minded that we listen to every single piece of advice, but we listen to godly advice. We, we seek counsel. Many times bad decisions will be prevented if people will just seek others' advice in things. And they have to be a trusted person. They have to be somebody that you trust, not just anybody off the street. You just don't go up to anybody and say, what would you do in this situation? Yeah, it's gotta be somebody that's trusted, that, that is in is in, in gonna give you godly advice. But it is very important that we get that advice because it will help us in the long run. It'll make us wise, it'll make us see things that we get good advice we receive instruction that discipline and prevents us from having problems in the future and if we don't ever want to take counsel you know we'll learn the hard way but the importance on all of this is it's been said that if you're if you're the only one you're going to listen to then then you you're limited to the knowledge you have if you get counsel from other people you get all kinds of different th- inputs and ideas and thoughts and then you can make your decision a little more informed you know will they will you go with what they all said maybe maybe not but at least you have opposite your differing uh, thoughts and opinions you may even have advice from somebody who's been there and done that and then trying to keep you from being there uh and so it's very important to hear the counsel and receive the instruction there are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord shall stand. And devices is this whole idea of thoughts, plans, purposes, schemes. Everybody has lots of different thoughts and, and plans and schemes in their in their head. But the important part, and this is in a man's heart, but it is, the important thing is God's counsels, they shall stand. <clears throat> so we want to get into knowing God's way of thought. And this is where we talked about. A couple of weeks ago, where in Isaiah, in Isaiah, we told you know that we learn line upon line, precept upon precept, concept. You know, each little concept of God helps us stand, and we watch what we wanted to do falling by the wayside, and hopefully we get to the place where we think like God. We start thinking like Him, we start acting like Him because His thoughts are filling our mind, and it says you know there are many devices, many schemes of man in the, in our heart. And our heart is deceitfully wicked, and who can know it, we're told in Jeremiah. And so we want to get that place where our heart is evil, our heart is wicked. We need God's thoughts, and his thoughts will stand. His thoughts will establish us, will will help us live the right way. The desire of a man is his kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. So, the, our desire should be to be kind. But I love this: that that a poor man is better than a liar. Somebody who is a liar is not trusted; is not somebody you want to be around. They could be the wealthiest person; they, they might even be the most influential person. But if they're a liar, they're not worth anything. They're not; their opinion's not worth anything. Anything they say, uh, you know, we've all heard it. You know. There's all these jokes, you know, a lot of times people will say a joke, you know, how do you know a liar is, uh, that, a, that, a, that a lawyer is lying? And, it's, you know, the answer is his lips are moving, and you can put any name in that that you want. You know, politicians a lot of times have that joke said about them. But it, if that person is truly that bad, and I've met people that were so bad at lying that I really doubted everything that they said. You know, and you you just looked at them and said, I don't know whether you're telling the truth or not because you tell the truth so rarely. And that's not a good place to be in. You you need, we need to be telling the truth. We need to speak truth. We need to be known as truthful people and, and kind people that want to reach out to people. The fear of the Lord tends to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied, and he shall not be visited with evil. The fear of the Lord, the desire to honor God, to get into his word, to do things the way he wants it done, it tends to life. Why? Because God is life. When we do things his way, we're going to be doing things in a righteous way that brings life. And not just the physical life, but to bring real peace, joy, bring the fruit of the Spirit into our life because we're fearing God we're fearing God we're asking him to be in us be part of us and when we do when we have his fear and we are abiding by him we abide satisfied God's way of doing things satisfies as nothing else does when we do things the world's way we're never satisfied you never get enough of the world's ways of doing things. You're never never satisfied when people are searching for God and they're looking for God in all the wrong places, they're never satisfied. There's never an answer. There's never that that satisfaction of the soul that I have found God. And when we find him, we end up being that satisfied person. We get the peace that passes understanding. We get joy. And we get to just be able to sit back and say, "Okay, God, you're in control." And it satisfies he fills that empty spot in our life because we were created to be in fellowship with God. And when we're not in fellowship with God, we are empty. <coughs> so it's very important that we stay in fellowship with God and honor Him. And He shall not be visited with evil, and that's the consequences. If you're living in the flesh, you're going to be, the consequences of living in the flesh are we reap the evil that we do. And when we're satisfied with God and we're fearing God, then we're sowing good seed and we're going to receive a reward of goodness. Does that mean that bad things won't happen to us when we're doing things right? No, nope, but it, it, there'll be less. We, there'll be less things happening to us. There'll be more satisfaction. There'll be more more good. Does that mean that no good can happen to an evil person? No, nope, that, that's not true either. We know that good things happen to bad people and we know that bad things happen to good people. That's but the tendency is, the more evil you do, the more bad things that you're going to have happen to you. The more good you do, the more good things will happen to you. And that's just the laws of sowing and reaping. doesn't mean that you can't have the opposite you know, happen, but it doesn't mean that the tendency is for it to not happen. A slothful man hides his hand in his bosom and will not as, so much as bring it to his mouth. And this has got to be a very slothful person. I can't even imagine being so slothful that you won't even pick up your hand to feed yourself. Uh, there's another one of the verses that talk about you not raising their hand and putting their face down in their plate. You know, and, and that's talking about being very slothful. Uh, and this is really making a kind of a mockery of it to, to make it an extreme. But there is those people that are so that are so lazy that they won't do anything to. Help themselves. I in the bosom, hand of the bosom, is Napoleon. You know, <laughs> yeah. He was too lazy to feed himself. He probably got fed. Yeah, and kind of laying in his bosom would be to hold your hands in your lap and say, "Okay, i um, me. You know, feed me. Somebody feed me. I'm just going to sit here." Yeah. And I've met lots of people. I've met lots of Christians that have that attitude about their Christianity. Awesome. You know. Feed me because I don't want to open my own Bible and do my own study. Just give me all, you know, spoon feed me everything that I need to know about God. And that's not going to happen either. God is, needs us to get into the Word and do our own study, our own our own learning. Now, when a first saved, it's one thing to be fed all the time because you don't know how to read the Scriptures. You don't know how to get it out. But somebody who's been a Christian for a few years should be feeding themselves more than being fed. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't go to church, we don't listen to pastors, we don't we don't let others give us things. But we have to be able to feed ourselves at the same time. And this is where I want to see everybody get to, is where they can get into the Word, they can understand the Word. And the more the Word you understand, the better you understand other parts of it, and it starts all interacting. And you know we see that in various places when we study you know we look at some of the Psalms and we've been able to link them up to the to the, what we're learning about in Exodus and Leviticus and so well this is what it's referring to and helps deepen what it is when you read it and so the more you get the more you get fed the more you know the, the deeper things the knowledge will get elsewhere and you will be able to start feeding yourself because you're gonna oh I know what that I know what that word means now you know, I know what that means and you and you start it it deepens up and now it opens up all kinds of new new ways of looking at it. And God is saying, open up, look, get into get into the get into the word and feed yourself. Feed feed your own your own body. Be you know, do not be slothful. And so it's very important that we look at that and, and get into this. Uh, Verse 25, Smite a scorner and the simple will beware and reprove one that hath understanding and he will understand knowledge. He that wastes his father and chases away his mother is the son that causes shame and brings reproach. Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causes to err from the words of knowledge. An ungodly witness scorns judgment and the mouth of the wicked devours iniquity. Judgments are prepared for scorners and stripes for the backs, the back of fools. All right, smite a scorner and the simple will beware and reprove one that has understanding and he will understand knowledge. And this is the whole idea. The scorner needs to be corrected as well. And most, many times a scorner won't be, won't receive the discipline. It's just being brutal to them. You know, they, they don't feel like they deserved it. They don't feel like it was honor, but it says... If you smite the scorner, the simple will beware. The simple will look at it and say, oh, I don't want to get the same punishment, so I'm not gonna do what they're doing. And this is something that people need to learn, is that we need to learn from what, other, what happens to others. Almost everybody needs to, you know, has, it's easier for us to learn the hard way. We to go through the school of hard knocks. The great advantage is to learn from what happens to others. And if you see them make mistakes, say, oh, I don't want to make that mistake. You know, and not have to go through the same, same process. That's a very good way to learn. And it says, and reprove, correct one that has understanding, and he will understand knowledge. So if you correct somebody who has the beginning of knowledge, that knowledge will be deeper for them. They'll be able to apply it. They'll be able to, to look at it and say, okay, now I understand. And it's very you know, very important that we, we learn, we learn from correction. He that wastes or assaults his father and chases away his mother is a son that causes shame and brings reproach. And this is the whole idea that, that people have, you know, that when a child goes the wrong way, away from his parents, you know, it brings shame on the family. And there is that shame and reproach that comes on a family but it's not necessarily the belonging to the family, and yet we apply it very heavily to our family sometimes. And seeing, you know, I've seen parents who get all distraught because, they're, because they feel like failures when their kids go the wrong way. And in one sense there is that, that idea that maybe I should have done something different, maybe I could have done something different, uh, better. But by the same token, we've tried to do the best we can as parents, and we can't, take it, uh, we can't take it too much personalized when our kids go the wrong way because our kids have their own decisions to make. As long as we've done the best that we can with them, or the best that we could at the time even, then we cannot hold, you know, be guilty of their, of their mistakes. Can we have caused some of their problems? Yes, we can, but not, you know, we can't take it on because even if, with a bad example, it's their responsibility. We have a situation where you can have a good kid come out of a bad family, just because the kid makes good decisions. On the flip side, you can have a bad kid come from the best family out there. You know, they did everything right and they can still produce a bad kid because of the decisions that child makes. So we want to be careful with that whole mentality of responsibility for their decisions. You we can have an influence, but it's not, it's not a guarantee. Verse 27, cease my son to hear the instruction that caused to err from the words of knowledge. And this one is a direct statement. Be careful what you listen to. Now, he says, cease my son to hear instruction that causes to err. And that is the idea of peer pressure, the idea of hanging with the wrong crowd, you know, listening to people that are giving you bad advice. And this is why your advice that you listen to must be godly advice, not the world's advice. The world's advice is going to give us all the wrong answers. There's a lot of, a lot of things going on right now, you know, with uh, in, information when, when they're talking about uh, the judgment that's gonna come down in June from the su- su- uh, Supreme Court about homosexual marriage and states' rights and there's a lot of people questioning what, you know, what should Christians do when, when this case comes to, to being settled, if it, co- if it comes down, and probably will come down, to the homosexual marriage being, being okay as far as the state's concerned, as far as the government's concerned. And the answer to that is real simple. We honor God and we obey God. So, I don't know what the debate is about them you know we honor God we don't go out and we fighting you know fight hard against it but we're also not going to if we're following God honor that homosexual marriage because it's not godly it's against God's word does that mean as i've said before when we disobey God that you know we disobey in government that we're going to be free from punishment no we will have the punishments that are that are part of the world out there and the government has the right to issue punishment and we will end up Whatever that case might be, many pastors who will not perform homosexual marriages will be fined or jailed, just the way it is. It's the way it was in the Acts, and it's the way it will be in the future. Listen to godly advice. We need to obey God. We need to not obey the world and not be listening to the world. Satan has thousands and millions of lies against all of God's truth, and what we need to do is listen to his truth and say, I'm going to live by way God wants me to live. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to obey truth. And whether everybody in the world disagrees with it doesn't matter. God's truth is truth. And it will win out in the long run. And we'll set free in the long run. But the lies are out there. And we're facing a lot of things right now where people are trying to justify, well, Everybody's saying this. Well, I'm sorry, God's truth is truth. It doesn't matter whether everybody is against it or not, because number one, that's not true. It's never a case of everybody. Elijah said the same thing. I'm the only one God that's following you. And God says, No, I've got five hundred who haven't built bent their knee to bail. And Satan's argument is always, you're all alone. Nobody else is standing for you know standing up for God. You're all by yourself. And we've got to be careful about falling into that trap. Because we may be the only one we know, but God still has people standing for his word. He still has people honoring his word. And we need to keep that in mind. There's always a remnant of people following God. No matter what's going on, there's going to be that case that there's obedience. An ungodly witness scorns judgment, and the mouth of the wicked devour iniquity. And this is that whole idea. Ungodly witness scorns judgment. That's that person who's willing to lie in court, to lie, you know, tell lies to have things happen. They scorn judgment because they're not looking to see real judgment. They're just trying to see something happen that they want to have happen. Whatever that, whatever that might be that they want to see happen. It's, uh, you know, the the person is willing to try to bend the judgment to what they want, and they'll perjure themselves or whatever the mouth of the wicked devour iniquity and that's the idea that they revel in doing wrong they revel in in the in in bad bad things happening and if you've been around somebody you see it in the in a lot of the gangs that are that you know they enjoy just doing bad things and the worst whoever can do the worst thing is is really built up they they devour it they want to see more of it Thieves get into that same idea where they just keep stealing and, and boast about what they've stolen and how they've cheated other people. So it's kind of a, you know, they, they just want more and more. Wicked will, the wicked want more, they desire more. And it goes back to this whole idea that they're not satiated, they're not satisfied. They need more. We've talked about this, we see it with alcohol. You know, people need more and more alcohol to get the same feeling they used to have. They need more and more drugs And sin is like that. You need more and more of the sin to be able to get the same rush that you had. It has to get deeper, worse, you know, harsher. Uh, If it's violence, it has to get, you know, just being mean to somebody is no longer the key. You've got to hurt them in some physical way. And then you've got to, you know, and it keeps pushing itself to higher and higher levels. And that's the way sin is. It always wants more. Judgments are prepared for the scorners and stripes for the back of fools. And this goes to the ultimate that God will make sure that discipline happens. It may not happen right away. It may not happen in what we think is a timely manner. But God is going to make sure that judgment is there. A godly king, a godly government will dispense justice. They will dispense righteousness, they will punish the evil. And that is what the government was created for. The government was created for ruling and protecting the citizens. And good government does that. They take the bad and they punish them. They take the evil and they punish it. And they reward good. The sad thing is in this generation we're seeing exactly the opposite starting to happen where the bad are getting protected, they've got all these rights, they've got all these you know, it's a reward to be bad and the good are being told you are wrong and, and, you're, and, and you're, you're not making the right decisions. And it's kind of a very scary thing to look at is how things are being twisted up, upside down, yet God said that's exactly what would happen in the end days. Good would be called bad, bad would be called good, and we would be going into the days of Noah. And we're starting to see just that happen in our world. And not just countries. I mean, we've seen it over in history that where a country will start doing it, but now we're seeing it almost worldwide, where the whole of righteousness and unrighteousness are being flipped on their heads, being turned upside down. Everything that God says is bad is being called good, and we're going to see great problems from all of this. We're going to see great issues from all of this, and we want to we want to be aware of this. You know, but God ultimately will punished evil. Even in our day they will get what they they will reap what they sow and it may be from somebody more evil than they are that they get it from or it's from the government doing part of its job (laughs) or it'll be when they stand before the white throne judgment of Christ and get condemned forever but they will pay the price for their evil and we will pay the price for whatever evil we do and you know and God is saying, you know, it needs to be put under the blood. You need to repent. There may still be consequences, but we need to be able to to uh, stop on that. We're going to end here just because my throat is starting to irritate me enough, and it's the end of this chapter. So we'll, we'll so let's close in prayer. And- Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for. The chance to go through this and have what you want us to learn, and we ask you to just to bless the bless us as we go about our day and and the weekend activities, which is a very busy weekend. We ask that you bless all that in Jesus' name. Amen.